0: Welcome back to a Man on Target podcast, and I am your host, Jack Pendergast. Over the last couple episodes, we have been talking about six different areas in our lives as men that we need to prioritize to have fulfilled lives as men. These areas are our faith, our marriage, our children, finances, fitness, and male friends. In episode one, we talked about our spiritual lives and how to put God first in our lives and the lives of our family through time with God, leading our family to God, serving our church and local community, and with our money. In episode two, we dove into five roles of a husband. Men are called to be leaders, laborers, loyal, learners, and lovers. And we all need to grow and improve in all of these areas. I open up this series talking about how there is an order of priority for the six areas we are discussing in this series. The first three are non-negotiable on order. First is our faith in God then our marriage, and then our children. This week, we're talking about five roles of a father. Now, these five things are not all encompassing by any stretch of the imagination, but I wanted to talk about these five things because, frankly, these are some of the areas of my life as a father I've been focusing on. So, just a bit of background. I'm coming from 21 years of experience of being a dad and raising our three children. Uh, Through this, we will talk about what I have done right, what I have screwed up, And what I have improved on. And I know that as I go through this, many of you will relate to my experience and honestly probably share some of the same experiences. Fatherhood. So where to begin? Honestly, there's so much out there on this topic. Some of it's good, but a lot of it is bad. I've been praying about this episode for weeks, months now, wondering where God wanted me to take it. Even to the point of paralysis by analysis. Going through my notes, I didn't know where to start. So really, I just decided to, to start. The first thing I want to talk about is being present in our children's lives. And I don't mean just being around our kids. I mean, actually taking an active role in their lives. Man, if I screwed this one up. But I have done well at times, too. And I'm positive that each one of you can think of times you drop the ball and other times when you pick the ball back up. But I also know there are some of you that are thinking back, and it's hard to see past the times where you weren't present. And let me tell you, me too. But the good news is it's not too late. It doesn't matter how old your kids are, whether they are toddlers, teenagers, or grown adults, you could still course correct. Sure, the older they are, the harder it will be, but you can still redeem time with your children. I was having a conversation with a new friend at church during our uh, latest men's group, and we got on the topic of spending time with our kids, and more specifically, after working all day. This conversation has struck home for me. Listen, I'm a blue-collar guy. I knew exactly what he was asking. I'm burnt out. When I get home, I feel like I have nothing left to give, and I don't know how to overcome that. This is probably the area that I have personally struggled with the most in raising my kids. Not so much when they had an after-school activity, Although I will say this, the obligation of an activity does not eliminate your responsibility to be present in the moment. So, if you're at your kid's game, or school play, or rehearsal, put your phone down. Better yet, leave it in the car. Furthermore, if you're using your phone to video the event, you are not being present. You are watching it through a screen. Alright, so back on track. When I get home, I just want to relax. Relax. I want to put my feet up and just chill. But doing this for many years led me to not being present with my kids. Looking back now, I regret the times I chose the recliner over playing Legos with my son. I regret the times I put watching TV over playing tea parties with my daughter. If we are not intentional with being present with our kids, we are not showing them love. And more specifically, they're not feeling loved. In the last episode, I taught on the differences of telling your wife you love her and showing her love, i.e. making her feel loved. The same principle applies here. Your kids need to feel loved, and if you are disconnected from them by a recliner or a TV or the time you spend in the garage or man cave, then they are not feeling loved. So, what are some ways that you can be present and they can feel loved? Well, for one, the example I used before, and honestly this more applies to little ones, but you know the principle applies to older kids too. Playing with your kids. If your son wants to play Legos, you do it. Get on the floor with your feet falling asleep, your back hurting, and play with them. Your daughter wants to play tea party? Sit on that little plastic chair, wear that hat, and drink that little imaginary cup of tea like a boss with your pinky out. Your kid really is looking for 30 minutes of your time. Really. In most cases, that's about it. I know we're talking about little ones right now. But honestly, that is really about all the time they will give you. They will move on to the next thing when you are just starting to get into it. So make the time. Now, if we're talking preteens or teenagers, this may be playing basketball or helping them practice for softball, playing video games, watching TV or whatever. But whatever that activity is, be there. And sometimes they may not ask. This is where you really have to step up and initiate the activity. They are teenagers. They are getting weird and awkward, so pay attention and know what they like and do it with them. And with adult kids, this will be a little bit harder to navigate. Knowing what your kid likes or finding out what they like is key. Time is going to be harder to find, so it's important that when you do spend time together, that it counts. My son is 21, and lucky for me, he likes a lot of the things I like. One thing he likes to do is bird hunt. So come small game season, we spend a lot of time together just chasing ringnecks through the fields. Wintertime, we snowboard. And honestly, that's a family thing. Spring and summer, we like to camp and sit around a fire in the backyard. I missed a good amount of those small opportunities when he was younger because I was tired. Well, guess what? I'm 41 now. And I wish I had the energy of my 20-something-year-old self. One day, I realized how much I wasn't showing him love. And I flipped the switch and decided to make the time, no matter how tired I am. In the end, he really just wants to do anything with me. Another thing you could do is let your kids help you. Your kids want to spend time with you. And sometimes that means they want to be involved in whatever you're doing. Changing the oil in the car, sweeping out the garage, Painting the living room, cutting the grass, they want to do whatever you're doing. And I know what you're going to say, they make a mess, or it takes longer, or they get in my way. Yep, all true. But let them help. If it's painting a room, put down a drop cloth, give them a brush and a roller, let them have at it. Yeah, you will be chasing them around with the roller to even out all the brush marks, but they love to do what you do. Changing the oil? Well, set up all the tools and have them hand you the tools. Sweep in the garage, raking leaves, free help. You have to switch your mindset when it comes to your kids helping you. And let me add this. Each moment, each activity is a teaching moment. Teach them how to paint. Teach them the proper way to sweep or rake. Don't miss these moments. You never know what you might unlock in your kid. I'm a carpenter, and guess what career my son chose? Carpentry. And when he started his apprenticeship... He had a leg up because I let him help me. When he was 10, I taught him how to use a circular saw, a tape measure, a square. He learned how to wrap up an extension cord and sweep a floor. He understands what it takes to spackle and paint a whole house, to refinish floors and build porches and decks. He is light years ahead of the other apprentices because I took the time to let him be involved and took advantage of that time to teach him. I would put him up against any other man his age in his field and be confident he would sweep the floor with them. Pun intended, too. The other day, we put a new cap on the back of my truck, and he loved every minute of it. He is 21 and still wants to do what I do. So don't overcomplicate this. Whatever you do, do it with them. Now, moving on from being present to your presence. How are you showing up when you get home? When dad comes home, he sets a tone. When I heard another podcaster say this, it instantly hit home. How many times did I come home in a pissed off mood and instantly change the entire atmosphere in the house? Your wife and kids feed off your energy. I can honestly think back to so many times when I came home with a bad attitude, either from work or traffic or whatever reason, and it affected my whole family. Shoot, it happened just a few weeks ago. I can assure you. There was never a time that I did come home like that and my family reflected the opposite. Never. Conversely, when I come home in a good mood, not only did my wife and kids have a good mood, but my good mood would lift them out of the bad moods. I remember times when one or both of my girls had a bad day at school and my good attitude was what they needed to get out of that slump. So, yeah, when dad gets home, he sets a tone. So, how can we combat this? Well, first you have to be aware of where you are mentally. Self-awareness is key. I have a long commute to and from work, so I have a good amount of time to decompress and leave work at work. So, when I pull into my driveway and get out of my truck, I am home and work is at work. Also, when I'm on my commute, I am intentional about what I listen to. I'm not listening to, like, hip-hop music or heavy metal you know, loaded with bad language and immoral storylines. I'm listening to worship music or podcast on improving myself as a father, a husband, aspiring entrepreneur, or teachings on faith, the Bible, and God. You ever hear the saying, what goes in comes out? Be aware of what you are consuming. This 100% affects your attitude when you walk in the house. And let's be real. Some days, even that long commute isn't enough. When I get home and I still feel some sort of way, honestly, I'll just stay in my truck until I I get my mind right. It only takes a few minutes to take those thoughts captive and get it under control. What happened at work may not be gone from my mind, but I decide not to let it dictate how I enter the house. This has really improved my relationship with my wife and my kids. They don't cower in fear waiting to see what kind of mood I'm in. Another thing I do is I tell my wife how I'm feeling throughout the day. And she, in her gracious and loving spirit, somehow communicates it to our children, giving them a heads up. The other day was a really rough day. One of those days I just mentally and physically was beat down. When I walked in, all three kids were standing there waiting to give me a hug. They know that when I have nothing to give, they will set the tone. Now, that is something I didn't see coming out of this. So... Examine how you enter your home. What kind of tone are you setting? If you see a bad pattern, it's time to make the adjustment. Remember, when dad gets home, he sets the tone. All right, the third thing I want to talk about is breaking generational curses. Now, this may seem like I made a hard right here, but trust me, this is connected to the last point. And just for some clarity, when I say generational curses, I'm not referring to just the spiritual side of things. Some will say generational curses is something purely spiritual, but it can also be a learned behavior. Is there a spiritual component to a generational curse? Sure. But let's think of it in this perspective. We are a product of our environment, meaning we often reflect what we grew up in. So, whether we call it generational curse or a negative learned behavior, the battle is still the same. So, looking back, everything I was doing when I came home and setting the tone... I can directly tie to what I saw growing up. When my dad came home, my sisters and I would walk on eggshells, waiting to see how my dad was going to be, how he was going to react. And if you're following here, my actions as a father were a reflection of what I saw as a kid. Although I always told myself, my wife and others, I wanted to be different for my kids. In many ways, I wasn't. This is an example of a generational curse that was coming down through me. The key is to humble yourself and recognize it, or at the least listen to what those closest to you are saying or how they are behaving around you. Once you acknowledge the issue, you then can take the steps to break it. And remember this, you don't just break a generational curse for you. You're breaking it so that it doesn't pass on to your kids. Friedrich Nietzsche said this, what was silent and the father speaks in the son. And often I found in the son The Unveiled Secret of the Father. Your kids will reveal your secrets, your attributes, your behaviors. You want to know when I woke up? I woke up when I saw my actions in my children. When they snapped at a situation that really wasn't that big of a deal. When I saw myself in them. It was like watching a video of me. The mannerisms, the tone, the body language. It was me in them. And it terrified me. So, what are some generational curses? What do they look like? Some of them look like alcoholism, drug addiction, abuse, behavioral issues, even mental health issues. How you respond to stress or how you negatively treat your wife or kids. The way you talk to or about people. Divorce, adultery, your sexuality, addictions to porn, lust, insecurity, on and on. This list is really unending. Now, this doesn't mean that these kinds of things are purely generational. That's not true at all. But it's often connected. If you look back in your family line and something negative you do is something that your father or mother or grandparents or someone in your family did or still does, it would be safe to say and assume that it's generational. And it's not always brought on to someone by your family. It could be something that was done to a person by a stranger that starts a generational curse in a family. With that said, how do we break these curses? Well, first things first, prayer and fasting. Some generational curses are harder to break than others and take more than just changing your actions. Sometimes it requires some spiritual work by God. Others, like uh, mental health issues, may require even professional help. And others that are more behavioral or habitual can be broken by changing your mindset, your habits, or your actions. Like the example above of when dad gets home, he sets a tone. You got to figure out the triggers and eliminate them and create a process to eliminate them and start building good habits and behaviors. So I chose not to become an alcoholic. I chose not to let my marriage end up in divorce. I am choosing not to walk into the house with a piss-poor attitude. I choose every day to fight the fight. Some days I lose the fight. And honestly, that's okay. As long as we continue to fight through the issue and we stack more wins and losses, we're doing our part. Remember, this isn't just for you. You are breaking generational curses. This is for your kids and for their kids and for their kids. And I will say this. The battles you are unable... Or better yet, refuse to fight, your children will have to fight. Your refusal or inability to confront the cycle of lust or addiction to porn means your son is going to have to fight that battle. Your refusal to confront insecurity means your daughter will have to fight that battle. Your inability to break the cycle of divorce and addiction means your kids will have to fight that battle. So don't just stand by in a perpetual place of complacency. It's time for change. This is your legacy, and you need to protect your children from generational curses. The fourth thing after protecting our kids from generational curses is protecting our kids from the world. As a father, you are called to be a protector and a provider. We talked about this with being a good husband, but this continues on to our children. Specifically, I want to talk about protecting our kids from the culture of this world. Let's be clear right off the bat. I'm not talking about secluding your kids from the world. Yes, we have to guard them from the things of this world, but sheltering them, is, it's just unhealthy. Our kids need to know what the world is like, and our job is to show them and teach them how to react and respond to a world and culture that really is vying for their attention and their souls. So this will be super practical Protecting our kids in this day and age requires knowing exactly what they are watching and listening to. You need to know what they are consuming. This means music, YouTube, Insta, TikTok. Who are they following? Who is influencing them? Who are their friends and who are they following? Listen to me here. The world is after your kids. I lost my oldest daughter for three years to what this current culture is pushing Thank God, Jen and I, with the help of close friends and family, we were persistent and consistent in prayer, and God stepped in. One day, I may talk about the ways we combated this in love and with consistency, but for now we'll just stay on point. Really? We weren't paying attention to it. We were complacent. But you say to me, "Not me, we got it covered." Hm, No, no, you don't. It can happen to your kids. We thought we were covered. We are a Christian home. Our kids know God, accepted Jesus. They were baptized. All the boxes were checked. Even more so, I have a degree in theology. I was a deacon on the board at my last church. I serve in and outside of my church. I read my Bible and pray every day. I have done all the right things. This couldn't possibly affect our family. We are good. Nope. That's when the enemy strikes. And man, did he come in like a roaring lion. So, how can you protect your kids? Well, first, you stop being complacent. Like I said earlier, know what they are doing, who they are following, what they are watching, who their friends are. Be active in their social lives. I've heard it said so many times by so many people, but show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And it's never any truer than it is today. Number two, don't give them a phone. Yeah, I know that might sound radical, but save yourself the pain and struggle and just don't. We learned this lesson way too late. When should you give them a phone? (laughs) I don't know. That's something you and your wife need to pray and think about. I will say, if you do give them a phone, lock that phone down. You can lock down an iPhone pretty darn hard, and there are phones like Gab and apps like that can also help. I have my youngest daughter's phone locked down so much so that <laughs> she complains and that she can't send pictures and a text after a certain time at night. And if you do give them a phone, make it clear to them, you set the boundaries and what those boundaries are and make it clear what happens when those boundaries are crossed. And number three, be informed what your kids are learning at school. Our problems were set ablaze from the local high school. They embraced and affirmed all this BS and only threw gas on the fire. Now, this may mean you need to make a change, because unfortunately there isn't much you really can do with these public schools, and even some private schools are espousing it. And a side note, if you're paying attention to this issue, you know that this isn't just high school. It's in middle school and elementary schools. So we ended up pulling both our girls out of public school. Now, our youngest was still in a very small and good middle school. So we had no concerns there. But for consistency's sake, we pulled them both and enrolled them in an online homeschool program. Now, you would think that this created a big riff in the house with them. But by the grace of God, they both really wanted to do it. And honestly, our oldest daughter brought it up to us while we were still praying about it. I know this probably isn't going to be the norm, and some of you will probably struggle to make that bold move, but in the end, you have to do what you have to do to protect your kids. So pray, 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 and pray some more, and then be confident in your decision. All right, so the fifth role I want to talk about as a father is teaching your children what a godly man looks like. I talked about this in the five roles of a husband, but it bears repeating here. You are the leader of your home, and that means you lead your kids on what a godly man looks like. First, you pursue God. A man cannot be a good leader if he is not a good follower of the Lord. That means part of your job as a father is to be a disciple of Jesus, and your manual is the Bible. Pursuing God means going to church, reading your Bible, time in prayer and worship. You show your kids a man of God pursues God. Remember, more is caught than taught. A father is a pastor of his home. You are the pastor of your home. As a father and pastor, you take your family to church on Sunday. And I said this before, and I will continue to beat this drum. Your kids do not have soccer on Sunday. You are their father and their pastor. You decide what your kids do on Sunday. So that means they're going to church. Your first role as a pastor of your home is to lead your family to church. You don't ask your kids what they want to do. You lead them to church. You will never hear someone say they took their kids to church too much, but you will often hear they wish they took them more. And being a pastor in your home also means you have to live out Christian faith in front of your kids. It's not good enough to just take your family to church. If your kids never see you with an open Bible or praying or worshiping, you're really not pastoring your family. If a father leads his family to church but doesn't take that faith into the home, he's not pastoring his kids. Do your kids see you reading your Bible or praying or listening to worship music? Or do they see you watching TV or playing video games or scrolling on social media? And as their father and pastor, you are the first to pray for them. You are the first line of defense for them. You're the first to give a word from God when they need it. Pray with them before bed, before they go to school if you can. Pray with them before dinner. And since I mentioned it, have family dinners every night and put down the phones. You want a better connection with your wife and your kids? Make sitting at the dining room table for dinner a priority and a daily event. All right, so with that, that brings this episode to a close, and I hope you got value out of it. Remember, be present. You set the tone when you get home. Break curses. Protect your kids from the world. And show them what a godly man looks like by being a pastor to your kids. I want to thank you for joining me today. I have been truly blown away by the amount of listeners that have tuned in to the first few episodes. So thank you so much. And if you got value out of this podcast and would like to support me, please rate and review it. And share it with your friends. That's the only thing I ask. And I would greatly appreciate your support by sharing this with someone you think could use it. So, until next time, be a man on mission. Intentional, focused, and precise. Live as a man on target.